Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Before we begin today, once again, I'll invite you, if you brought your Bibles, to go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 7. You can grab a Bible in your pew as well. Uh, We're going to do this throughout our sermon series, so that way you can take notes or underline things in your own Bibles, so that way when you revisit these passages, you'll have something to go off on. And in addition to that, we're going to, of course, continue to do this every Sunday, even after our sermon series. And that's because we're Lutheran, and when we start something, we never stop doing it. It just becomes something we do. So uh, we're like six weeks in now, too late. So please remember to bring your Bibles, and we'll start today, Matthew chapter 7. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text today is from Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, where Jesus says this, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You wake up, but you're not quite sure where you are. Just a moment ago, you were actually at a dinner party with family and friends. You felt a a cold sensation in your chest, and you stood up to try and get some fresh air outside, but you didn't make it. You remember falling, but you don't remember hitting the ground. And now, all of a sudden, you're in this strange, cold, dark place. And you don't have much time to contemplate your own confusion, because in the distance, you see some shadowy figures running towards you. And you squint to see what they are, but immediately you're afraid. You don't know where you are, and you don't know what these things are. But they have a strange barking and growling sound that they're making as they're coming towards you. And even though you should run, you stop because there's something different about this. And then as they get closer, you realize they're not barking. They're speaking. And they're saying, liar, thief, adulterer. And you stop for a moment and you say, hey, those are my sins. (laughs) And then a cold chill runs from head to toe and you get up and you turn to run. But as soon as you turn, you smack right into a solid figure who's been standing right behind you, maybe the whole time. You look up and you see that this is, is a man, it's a person, and there's light shining from him. And he sees that you've fallen down and he reaches out a hand towards you and he says, Come with me if you want to live. And so you do, and you follow this angel. And the dogs get closer, but they don't touch you. In fact, they can't. And after some travel, the angel leads you to a bridge. And you are more scared than ever before when you see this bridge, because this bridge is narrow, maybe only a foot wide or so. The the planks of wood look rickety like they could snap and you can fall through at any moment. These planks of wood are suspended by rope that is fraying and seems like it could fall apart when you're in the middle of the bridge. The scariest part of all is that below it is a lake of burning sulfur, and you're watching people travel on this bridge, and a good number of them fall. And there's no way you can make it. You know that. The angel says, follow me, Steady now. And each step takes great concentration as you hold on to the rope and hold on to that angel in front of you. And eventually you do make it across. Shortly after, you find yourself in a place filled with singing 
and warmth and joy, and you realize it's paradise. And you think to yourself, you know, I could stay here for, for, before you even say the words, forever. You're back in the hall, with friends and family staring over your body that has fallen down. What you just heard is an ancient Irish legend called the Night of Tundalus. And if you're really into books, it was kind of a forerunner for Dante's Inferno. But that bridge in the story, that bridge speaks to us today as we look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles open, you can look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. We're going to go over those here for just a moment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. These are difficult, even impossible words from Jesus. There are three difficulties that we encounter when we think about the way of following Jesus in verse 14 all alone. The way is, or the gate is narrow. The way is hard. You can also read that as constricting or tight. And then finally, there are few who find it. Now compare those three things with what you read in verse 13 about the wide way. The wide way is easy. The gate itself is wide. And there's one verb missing. There's one verb missing. You see, in verse 14, you have to find the gate, right? Those who find it are few. Those who find the narrow gate, the way of Christ, those who find it are few. But as I read verse 13, you don't even have to find the wide gate or the wide way. Maybe that's because it'll find you. In fact, I would also argue that the best way to find yourself on the wide way is to just stand still, and it'll come. These words are challenging because we love easy things. If you're going to make popcorn this week or at any time in the future, are you going to put it in the microwave or are you going to put some oil in the skillet first and do it that way? For those of you who are having your Thanksgiving feast, how many of you are having mashed potatoes? Okay, three of you. Okay, there we go. All right, fine. I know Pastor Belton was here, and I know he makes you speak. And I listened to the sermon, and I could hear you. I could hear you. So let's try again. Mashed potatoes. Who's doing it? Mashed potatoes. Right. Okay, that's better. How many of you are making instant mashed potatoes? Okay, great. You know, I'm ready for you, too. I'm ready for you. You thought I wasn't, but I am. So you're going to do it the hard way, right? You're going to do it the hard way, the narrow way. But how many times do you do that a year? Yeah. Right. Right. Never, except for one day. So any other time you're making mashed potatoes, what are you doing? You're ordering them at a restaurant. <laughs> or you're making instant mashed potatoes. If you have to take the elevator or the stairs, what are you going to do? Well, okay, some of you, you've got counters. But mostly the elevator. If you could, you would. We prefer the easy way. And I would say sometimes we find ourselves on, on a way that is wide, uh, on a way that, that is apart from Christ because the easy way comes to us so fast, quickly, and conveniently. You can open up your email, check your social media feed, or even read letters that come to you in the mail, or open up the newspaper, or however it is you get information. But you can do that, and you can be reading through something, and then all of a sudden you'll see a picture, a headline, a story, an idea, something, and you'll find yourself in the thralls of a white-hot rage. Or you'll see an image that fills you with lust, 
or an image that makes you jealous of the way other people are living their lives. And I would tell you that we don't oftentimes recognize temptations because they happen so fast and lead us to sin so fast, we don't have even a moment to identify what we're actually going through. The way is wide. It's so easy that it will come for you. The wide way can also happen by a number of gradual smaller steps. Many of you in the room are parents, and many of that group are parents of adult children. But I bet you still remember this. It's something we're teaching our kids right now. If there's a popular toy in the house, you teach them to share. You teach them to share, right? You, if there's an argument over a toy, you say, okay, everyone takes their turn, or you come up with some other kind of strategy, but you teach your children to share. And many of you here in this room have taught your children to share. But now, as I hit this point in my life with kids, I also see a different message coming my way, and maybe you can identify this message too. And if not, you probably will. Maybe when you were at my stage, or if you're currently at my stage, you were looking down the road and you saw people a few decades older than you that were getting by quite well. Life is easy for them, a successful career. And you want that, and that's not bad. It's not bad to want a successful career. But also along with that comes these other messages about save, 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 save for retirement. Save for retirement. And you know what? Saving for retirement isn't bad either. But the vision that is oftentimes broadcast for how we want to live our final days and how we want to live leading up to our final days is all about you. Saving can so easily become hoarding. While we're teaching our children to share, perhaps we also taught ourselves to cling. To save is wise. To hoard is to walk the wide way, the easy way. And so this path of discipleship, this narrow way, will call you to this infinitely difficult challenge to live for others as you focus your eyes on Christ. Today, is the last Sunday of the church year. And judging by the lack of party hats in this room, no one is ready to celebrate a new year. Perhaps this got by you, that this is the last Sunday of the church year. Not the calendar year, but the church year. Every church year begins in Advent. So next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. Wednesday services begin at 7 on December 4th. I'll see you all there, I'm sure. And so on December 1st, the new church year begins. This is the last week of the church year. We start looking forward to the birth of Christ, but we end the year as we are right now, focusing on the end, the return of Jesus, the day when he will suddenly appear before us and he'll make all things new, raise the dead, wipe away death and sin from this world. We see each day, each hour as another moment where we move closer on this narrow, confining, rickety bridge that leads us to that one great day, that day of life. But regardless of whether or not you're into the church here, and regardless of whether or not on Saturday night at 11.59 you're going to whip out your party hat and blow into a kazoo when it becomes a new church here, you are looking forward probably to a new year, or at least you acknowledge that it's getting closer if you're not looking forward to it. So my question for you then is, as you continue to walk on this road, on this path of discipleship, how will you walk? 
How will you walk? Because it is so easy, it is so easy to come here once every six weeks, once every four weeks, once every seven days even, and put your hand up on that narrow gate and open it just a little bit and hear the Lord calling you towards it and maybe even put a foot out and then decide, you know what, I'll come back later. We gather together here, and I don't want us to tire of gathering together. I don't want us to grow weary of gathering together. Because this is one of the big ways that we'll make it. This is one of the big ways that we will follow Jesus. We will follow him together. Perhaps there are reasons why you might stay away on a Sunday, and sometimes those are legit, I understand. I'm afraid that we also have an attitude of being too casual about what this is. Maybe you're coming to church and you're thinking, man, I just need to be fed. I need to be fed. I need to be fed. It's great to be fed by the word of God. But what's even greater, what the next step on the bridge is, is to come here because other people need you. That's the bigger purpose. That's the bigger calling. That's the bigger cause. That's the next step, dangerous step, fearsome step on that rickety bridge that we gather together in faith, knowing that Jesus will be here. So we're not worried about what we're getting. We're not staring in our bellies when it comes to our own faith and religion. But instead, we know that God's promises are true. And when he says, I'll meet you, he will meet us. So we come then for the opportunity, yes, to feed on God's word, but also to pray for our other brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage other brothers brothers and sisters in Christ, to live a little more for somebody else than you do for yourself. This is the narrow, constricting, confining way. It is a way of great purpose. It is a way that leads to life. We know what the next step we'd like to take as a congregation is on that wooden bridge, on that narrow set of planks, that we would grow deeper in knowing Christ and loving one another. That's our vision statement, right? Knowing Christ and loving one another. We do that by putting one hand out on the rope, which is the word of God, and we do it also by putting another hand on the shoulder of our brother or sister in Christ in front of us, and we walk, and we move, Even with great patience or slowness, we step forward, one foot in front of the other. God has taken care of all of our needs. Our great purpose in life is to hold on to that word and to put a hand on the shoulder of the brother or sister in Christ who is in front of you. We gather here because somebody needs you to be here, even if you don't know it. We gather here because somebody needs you to be here, even if you don't know it. But I find this gospel in what Jesus says. The way is hard. It's narrow. On top of things, you've got to find it. And if you're like me, the idea that you have to find something is terrifying. My wife can tell you that I am not good at that. I'm not good at that at all. I can't even keep track of my keys. I need help to get out of the door in the morning. But then there's this, Matthew, that was supposed to be funny, but wow, did that fall flat. Matthew, I'm going to need a minute. All right, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Look at that, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And we won't dwell on that. All right, Matthew 7. So move up in the chapter. and At verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Verse 8, 
Everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. Matthew 11 also says this, that come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest, you will find rest for your souls, he says. So here's what all that means. Jesus isn't going to tell you to look for something that he isn't going to reveal to you anyway. Jesus isn't going to tell you to look for something that he isn't going to reveal to you anyway. He's not going to have you searching around for something he isn't going to show you. But then there's also this. There's a strange parable, and it's kind of captivated me over the last week. It's in Matthew chapter 13. It's about a merchant who sold pearls. And one day he finds this great, fine, perfect pearl, and he sells everything he has so that he can buy this one pearl. And my question to you is, what do you call a man who, who used to sell pearls who now only has one pearl? What do you call a man who used to sell pearls and now only has one pearl? I don't know either, but he's no longer a merchant, right? He's given up everything he has so that he can have that one pearl of great value. That's the kingdom of God. That's the narrow ways, giving up of things, recognizing that there's only room for Jesus on the path. There was a moment a couple years ago where Tracy and I were at a McDonald's. We were at a play place. McDonald's with a play place because that's the only McDonald's we can eat at. We can eat at two restaurants, McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. They both have play places. We're, we're, we're not going um, to anywhere nice, probably ever again. <laughs> we have four children, and then we'll be paying for their colleges. You know, we're not going anywhere nice. And so we're at Chick-fil-A. We're at McDonald's. And they, uh, this one was particularly full, and kids were just running around. And we got to that point. The worst point of being at a McDonald's with children is when you have to leave. And so we're standing there about maybe six inches, maybe a foot apart from one another. And we're calling the children to come and leave. We're saying, you know, get out of that tunnel. Get out of that slide. Come here and get your shoes. And we're doing all those parent type of things. And the place is full. And I notice that there are children that are just bolting in between us with great ease, just running right through us. And, and again, there's only six inches to a foot between Tracy and I. You, uh, most of you are, 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 are normal, and most of you are healthy adults. And so uh, as you come here, <laughs> As you come here, <laughs> as you come here, if you saw somebody standing six inches or a foot apart from somebody, you wouldn't shoot that gap. You wouldn't do that. That's socially awkward and weird. But the children at the play place, they saw the colors. They saw the tunnels. They saw the slides. They saw the cartoon characters that they knew. And so they would just run right between us. Easy. No problem. And that's the joy of the narrow way. We walk on this bridge, one hand on the rope, one hand on a brother and sister, brother or sister in front of us, but our eyes are set forward on the joy that is to come. It is tight and it is difficult, but the things in this world that hound you and bite at you and tear you, they can only attack your flesh. They cannot attack Christ and the spirit that dwells inside of you. We look forward to this great day where suddenly this rickety old bridge will be revealed for what it truly is, solid ground. Jesus will return. Every valley will be raised, every mountain made low. We will stand on a new heavens and a new earth, forgiven, free of sin, free of death, free of hurt, free of pain, united in fellowship, not missing each other at all. And we'll stand before Christ. And with our eyes set on that, we run with great ease. But in the meantime, we walk a bridge that seems rickety, 
One, one that seems like it could fall apart at any moment. As we look around, we also notice that there's room for one more. So as you walk this narrow way, I beg you, I ask you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, so that people in this world can share what we have. Don't forget to invite someone. Amen.